Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. When I created Autism Personal Coach, it was with the sole purpose to give autistic adults and teens the support that is lacking for for them just about wherever any one of us lives. Often in business, you hear concern about your competitors. However, to me, I never look at any organization that is providing coaching as a competitor. I look at them much more as a friend. A a friend as long as the beliefs of that coach or organization, how they implement coaching is similar to mine. While I'm thrilled that Autism Personal Coach continues to grow and support the autistic community, we'll never be able, no matter how much we grow, to support everyone that wants coaching. More important to me than the success of Autism Personal Coach is the concept of coaching for the autistic community. While every autistic person doesn't need coaching, I know for the last eight plus years during Autism Personal Coach's existence that it can be so valuable coaching to so many. That's why I'm thrilled to be joined today by David Hall as he provides coaching to autistic adults and he will discuss with us how his coaching process is implemented and how he has learned by coaching others, and why collaboration in the autistic community is so important. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Recording in progress. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Pleased to be here, John. I wanted to start out and um, learn... um, how I do on each of these episodes. Uh, where does your story in the autistic community begin? Well, I would say uh, a, a bit by accident on my part. I am the parent of three kids, children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And so, you know, my, my journey goes back 20 something years with. Uh, being a parent to autistic persons, it was a huge uh, learning curve, uh, life experience. Um, so when my first children were uh, diagnosed, I confess right off up front that I made plenty of mistakes. I didn't understand uh, autistic persons, autism, that particularly unique neurology. So fast forwarding, I was at a crossroads moment with my career um, about four years ago, and I decided to do something 
um, different. And I began doing research on outcomes for autistic adults, particularly here in the United States. And Doug, what I discovered was um, really disturbing. I discovered that autistic adults were faced with uh, a lot of anxiety, uh, chronic depression. Uh, the unemployment rate, including soft unemployment, was pretty de is is pretty devastating, and um, and then of course um, you know the suicide rate for autistic adults, and so I decided something dramatically different had to happen, and so I uh, put together a methodology uh, of life and job coaching based on what we call E three, uh, engaging, equipping, and encouraging. And um, so since that time, I've been uh, doing life and job coaching for autistic adults um, worldwide, actually. So Now, um, you mentioned that uh, you, you started coaching um, autistic adults. So you founded the Foundation for Life Guides for Autistics and, and NeuroGuides. You mentioned um, E3 before. What are some of, can you maybe expand about what are, tell us a little bit more about those core principles and how you use them in coaching? Sure. So I, I tell people, and, you know, in working with volunteers and our board and, and all, and, and our public, that it's both a very simplistic approach and yet complex because uh, each of each of our three methodology areas applies not to um, um, you know sort of this formulaic all everyone's the same approach we don't believe in that we we see each autistic uh, person as a unique person um, and so every person has unique attributes so what works for one obviously may not work work for another. And so uh, taking the first one of engagement, the best way to put that is we build bridges. So we are constantly seeking to discover based on strengths and we take all of our adult autistic uh, clients and we call them clients because it's a professional relationship and we take them through strength finders. And so discovering what their unique core uh, strengths are is extremely beneficial to our work. And so we are seeking to build bridges based on their strengths, based on their unique needs. And um, now it hasn't always worked, but we have seen amazing transformational results, which, um, which is absolutely important to us. Um, so always building bridges, always looking, always, always um, discovering unique aspects for that individual client. Um, equipping. So Doug, you know, in the past, and, and unfortunately it's, we're still seeing a lot of this today, there's been this presumption, right, that autistic people just, so you can sort of open up a book and it's very formulaic and, you know, they need to be, they need to be taught to do this, this, and this so that they will have a successful life. And then, you know, I add all the other stuff in there. Just smile and be happy and blah, blah, shake your hands firmly, whatever. It's, it's just this litany of things to do um, 
we, you know, we call them ILS, independent living skills, etc. The truth of the matter is this, that I believe that there are life skills that ought to be uh, understood, ingrained, and utilized. Uh, some are basic to human, you know, existence, uh, health and safety, personally and publicly and all that. I agree with that. But many autistic people do not need the certain life skills that are ascribed to them. Um, I like to tell people about one of my favorite um, autistic persons in history. Now, he did not have formal diagnostics, I confess that, but Albert Einstein, you know, come on, never tied his own shoes, uh, didn't know how to cook. I mean, the, you know, he got by. Right? I mean, it was pretty good with math. So, so some autistic people do not need certain life skills. So we need to be careful with that. We need to, to base that upon the unique needs um, of the person. I call it interdependent living skills versus mm -hmm. independent living skills. Because we live in community. You can argue with, with me on that if you want. But I will say that there are very, very few people in this world who live completely independently. Uh, and finally, encouragement. Doug, if there's one thing that autistic persons in the autistic community and those who care for them and care about them need, it's encouragement. What a disconnected, misunderstood, discouraged group of human beings. Uh, we need to encourage one another. I need encouragement. Do you need encouragement, Doug? I always need encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much there that I agree with, David. And I love that you talked about interdependent living because I don't know if there's a human that's ever existed that has successfully lived independently. Right, right. Jeremiah Johnson in the movies up in the mountains in, in Colorado, maybe. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I feel like a, a, big, a big part of coaching, certainly helping people achieve the things that they want is, is important, but equally as important is just providing that support and validation to folks. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll add one more thing. You, you've not asked yet, Doug, but it might be on the edge of people's uh, questions sort of in the room. Um, my own personal journey changed uh, pretty radically about two and a half years ago. Um, I had been working with lots of folks with uh, Life Guides for Autistics Neuro Guides, and my uh, friend and colleague Tara Vance, who's the founding editor of Neuroclastic.com, incredible resource, um, she gently goaded me, well maybe not just gently knowing Tara, but she pushed me to uh, pursue diagnostics for myself. And I did that. I, I did an informal diagnostic and then followed by formal diagnostics. And so I discovered, uh, quite to my own surprise, that I'm on this spectrum myself. And, uh, you know, I had uh, become a world-class uh, professional at masking, <laughs> hiding, pretending, and trying to be a really good neuro neurotypical so no one would notice. And, you know, a lot of people are anxious about 
going for met, you know, going to get an assessment? What kind of like convinced you like, hey, this would be maybe a, a step that I should take in my life? I had so many questions. I um, I felt at times, Doug, that I personally was um, living a bit of a of a fraudulent narrative. Because as I look back to my childhood, you know, I, my uh, dad, I've got a great relationship with my parents. My dad is, you know, pushing me to, you know, have the typical uh, high school, middle school childhood, you know, play football, do these things, you know, just sort of do these neurotypical things, all the neurotypical things. And I, I'm sure I was terribly frustrated with them uh, because uh you know, I, I wanted to build Universal Studios monster movie models. I wanted to do these, you know, crawl around in the woods and just investigate little, you know, things, unique things. I, I, I had this very different neurology that I it felt as a young person I was trying to stuff into this, uh, this is neurotypical life culture compartments. And, and so I felt like there were unanswered questions that needed to be answered. So I pursued the diagnostics and, um, it was both liberating and painful. And I've written a couple of articles on that, just that, that particular part of my journey. Now with coaching, I find that a lot of people don't really understand like the scope of it and, um, have a lot of, um, you know, you know, maybe stereotypes about it, what it is or what it isn't. So I'm wondering from your perspective, um, in terms of people and their understanding of coaching, what you, what you found. Well, Doug, as you know, our, our kind of coaching is very, uh, unique. When I, when I tell people what I try and do, what I do, a lot of, no, almost every time the neurotypical folks will look at me and just get, this kind of strange look on their face that, you know, nobody does that. And um, so our approach, our aspect is, is very unique. Um, and, and by the way, I just want to take this moment to say, I, I am so absolutely thrilled that you do what you do. I, t I tell people that I don't in this uh, area of life, I don't believe in competition. I think that, um, if I can help make successful any other coach working with autistic adults uh, in a transformative way, then I will, you know, wave their flag from the mountaintop. That's, <laughs> I'm, I say that a lot. So um, what we do is very unique in aspect, and I would say absolutely critical. I, I call it, you know, standing in the gap. We are, we are going into a place to do very unique uh, type of life and job coaching for um, autistic adults who who would ordinarily and and without any I, I understand them fully ordinarily completely avoid uh, typical um, life coaching job coaching as you know that's not what we do <laughs> and. 
And, and something I've learned through coaching, um, at least in my experience, is that when you coach others, you learn so many things in the process that kind of help your own life. Uh, definitely become a better advocate. Definitely my executive functioning um, skills have definitely improved because of it. Uh, but what are some things you've learned through coaching that have benefited you? You know, I mean, it's well. That's well put, Doug. It's we're un, we're helping to unfold, unpack, and um, and discover new areas. Again, the, the the perspective is is different. We we take our coaching work based on the individual, unique aspects of that person. So it gives us a whole lot of breathing room, as opposed to saying, you know, here's this formula. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, one thing that I recently discovered, we talked about this executive functioning, right? These, this concrete construct kind of thinking. And I, I, uh, I tell people that when I speak and present that it's as if there, there, there are these deep wells, right? And sort of like deep pools of thought with autistic persons, especially those, and there are very few who aren't, these concrete construct thinkers. So we think deeply, we think in great detail, and sometimes it's very difficult to just sort of pull us out of that, right? Um, like, a, like a rock sinking in a well as opposed to skipping across the surface. A lot of neurotypical thinkers that I've discovered, uh, they can rapidly shift, but we, we stay in those deep processes. So executive functioning, right? We, we hear that a lot, and it's, 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 uh, it's frustrating for many because they want to be able to uh, work in different areas of projects and not get sort of stuck in one. So I started thinking about um, how, um, you know, in regards to biometrics, in regards to, to how human beings focus, one thing that, is, that escapes many people is, is where we put our eyes. And there are instruments that will measure eye focus, right? And so I, I had a client who um, made this incredibly great board, this schedule and the to-do list and all this stuff, and he kept it back behind him on the wall. And I, I asked him, through a lot of, lot of questions, asked him where he was putting his focus, how often did he focus on that particular board. And it turns out he was focusing on it very little. He focused most of his time on screens and on other things. And so we transitioned his, um, his uh, tasking, his to-do, his calendar. So we transitioned from these uh, things that he wasn't focusing on to the things that he was focusing on. And we noticed his ability to engage with his own uh, needs, tasks, all that went way up. So it's just thinking organically and I've learned so much about that I learned so much about my own habits through that you know so as one example now now um, you mentioned giving presentations so in in addition to providing coaching you provide many trainings what I'm particularly interested in is that um, you've given corporate leadership trainings with Fortune 500 companies and government agencies. What's been the message that you've tried to uh, give to these agencies and Fortune 500 companies? 
quite simply that all minds have a place, a purpose, and that all persons have a sense of belonging. So my my message is not, um, and 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 people who really give this a lot of thought, it it, it begins to happen. It, this idea of neurodiversity, I call it true neurodiversity. It's this concept, right, that all minds, neurotypical, neurodivergent, that we all have a place and we all have purpose and we all have strengths. We need to be honored, given dignity, uh, recognized for our dignity, and, and, and given a place in that. So when I work with, with corporate CEOs and leaders and some fantastic people, that is my messaging, that it's, that it's neurodiversity as actually fully inclusive. And we've worked with uh, CEOs and corporate folks to in this idea of universal design inclusivity. There was a time, Doug, that we believe that sort of if you're diverse in a company, in a culture, well, that's good enough, right? Everything will just sort of work itself out. Well, that was a failure, that kind of thinking. You know, maybe it's a good first step. But we have to engage now in inclusivity, in actual design for inclusivity. And a big part of that is the idea of neurodiversity, that we are, you know, like a, uh, like a, like a, uh, biosphere. Like we're, we're, we, we all have these intricate, varying ways of, of approach and that if we can honor everybody's thinking, we're going to benefit. Companies will benefit, corporations will benefit, organizations benefit. Uh, they're able to do their their work, their mission, whatever it is, much more uh, with much more integrity, much more value. Everything. It's uh, so that's 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 our our aspect. It's not it's not that neurodivergence, autistic people, you know, sort of rock. <laughs> and that you know we're we need you know we need to ascend somehow to you know our own place. It's it's letting and helping everyone everyone uh, work together. And what's been the response from from these companies or agencies to this important message? Well, um, we're working now with a uh, uh, one of the largest companies in the world, and uh, they are in the process of, of examining and working diligently for to retool, re-engineer uh, a lot of the ways that they do uh, hiring, onboarding, and beyond. And so, um, so it's working. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's exciting to see these things happen. Um, as I speak with with groups, I'm beginning to see uh, corporate leadership and CEOs stepping into this dialogue, stepping into this discussion. And behind the curtains, you know, a lot of times a CEO, um, especially neurotypical CEOs, won't uh, publicly commit, but they'll come behind the scenes and contact us and say, I like what I'm hearing. I think it could have profound value for the future of our workplace. How do we take first steps? So they're, they're researching now. We've, we're seeing momentum that we have not seen before. I mean, I, I don't know if you're seeing this, but in the last two or three years, some fantastic things are starting to happen. Absolutely. And 
And for the, for our listeners to learn that beyond uh, this interview, that want to learn about more about NeuroGuides and possibly access your coaching or uh, the presentations you provide, how can they do so? I would say just go to neuroguides.org and uh, uh, reach out to us uh, there and be happy to talk to people about how we can help them uh, to uh, find find their own place in life and, and make it a, a joyful, successful place. Mm. You, you were talking earlier about competition and you, you know, how you don't look at it like that and I, I completely agree, so... Um, you know, I think we were destined to connect at some point, so I'm so glad it is today. Um, exactly. You know, collaboration, I think, in the autistic community, to me, it's so important. And that's why I was really excited for something that you're a part of in creating um, just recently, and that is the Diversity with Dignity Global Roundtable. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about this important project? Well... Quite simply put, it's time. It's time for this to happen. Um, myself and my partner, uh, Marcy Champy, also known to the world as Samantha Kraft, uh, who's the author of uh, Everyday Asperger's and, and now Autism in a Briefcase, um, have been involved in, in several roundtables, uh, you know, global events, where the dialogue, uh, the discussion, the coordination, the leadership of all of them has been led entirely by non-autistic, non-neurodivergent persons. And so, you know, it was over the last however many years, it's been this constant uh, struggle to speak into the dialogue, to speak into the discussion, to have a you know, a, a place at the table. And so it became quite obvious in the last year that, that that was not going to change in many circumstances. So we just decided uh, to do something radically different, to just simply start our own uh, global um, diversity roundtable and bring to, to, and start and have with the leadership and the founders uh, be neurodivergent, autistic, and other people who would um, would then allow other people to come in who are just desperate to have a voice and be able to be heard and, and, and be validated. And, Doug, it's been incredible. I mean, it's been phenomenal. Um, we have another one coming up. The, the number of people contacting us who want to be a part of this is just fantastic. And our next... Um, our next global roundtable uh, event forum is going to uh, feature um, uh, a wonderful um, community coordinator, business leader from India, is going to speak into um, you know what it's like to to be a, of a different ethnicity and to be neurodivergent, and how that intersectionality of community comes together. So I'm excited about it. I'm thrilled. Absolutely, and. Uh, I, I know the next. You mentioned the next one's coming up. Um, can you give a little bit more about date, time, and how people can join? Yeah, uh, I believe it's next uh, Wednesday, and um, I would suggest if you want to find out about it, go to LinkedIn 
and or do a Google search and look for a Global Diversity Roundtable. And uh, the link is there. You know, we don't. There's no charge. There's no fee. We're inviting people to come and in community. So uh, click on the link, accept it, and uh, um, that's would love to see you there. Well, you know, la- last month my schedule didn't allow me to to join the roundtable, but I'm definitely planning to this month. It's on my calendar already. So uh, look forward uh, to seeing you there. Absolutely. Well, David, I really enjoyed um, the conversation today. We had some scheduling difficulties, but I'm glad we were able to make it finally happen. Thank you, Dougie. Thank you for the work you do. Um, I so appreciate it and value you and your work. And uh, I look forward to the momentum that we're creating together and uh, into a day where we're going to say we made it. This is a day of true neurodiversity. Even if you and I don't, don't arrive there to see it. Just to be a part of it is very exciting. I, I like I like how you put that. Yeah, just continuing to build that momentum to that day. Exactly. Thank you, Doug. Thanks so much to David for the conversation. To learn more about David, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. It was great to talk with a fellow coach, and this isn't the first time I've had a coach on Autism Stories. That's because I think you can learn a lot from others that do very similar things as you. Many times, clients of Autism Personal Coach aren't sure where to turn to continue to learn in their career, or they just want to grow. And that's where Autism Personal Coach comes in. If you're looking to learn and grow in your career, then Autism Personal Coach is here to help you with that. Book a free call with me today to learn how we can help. A link to book the call can be found in the podcast description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories. And if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would very much be appreciated. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we discussed the experience of autistic and neurodivergent attorneys. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.